Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ocampawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On this Monday, April the 10th of 2023, we hope you had a terrific weekend, and thanks for starting your week here on WSBT Radio. Well, I'm very excited to start the program, to have the chance to have a visit with the new Basketball coach at the University of Notre Dame, Micah Shrewsbury. Coach, thank you so much for your time this evening. How are you? I'm doing great, Darren. How are you? Happy Uh, to be on with you. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome back to South Bend. We are very, very excited to have you here. And since we last heard from you at your press conference recently, what have you been able to achieve or learn about the roster that you inherited? Darren, what, what I've spent the majority of my time doing um, since the press conference is I've been on the phone nonstop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's, you know, talking to recruits, that's talking to hiring a coaching staff, um, talking to the former players, and then, you know, getting acquainted with our current players. It's It's been quite a whirlwind. So um, I am, am burning through phone batteries. And I'm burning through any time minutes, uh, like like the like it's candy. <laughs> so no spring break for you this year. <laughs> there, there will not be spring break, but at some point in time, I am going to take a vacation, and it it is going to be well earned. <laughs> you better believe it. Well, Coach, I have the great pleasure of calling Notre Dame hockey games, and last year during the season. I spent some time with a good friend, and you know him, Penn State broadcaster Brian Tripp, and we actually spoke at the Compton Family Ice Arena the day that Penn State went to Champaign and routed uh, the Fighting Illini, and we just got into a discussion about you, not knowing that you would eventually become the head coach here in South Bend. But one thing Brian mentioned was, and it stuck with me, 
He said, you do a really good job of relating to your players and managing your roster. What allows you to have success in reaching the young men on your basketball team? You know, I, I think um, you have to really adjust as time goes on, right? And, you know, each, each person um, is different. And just trying to understand, you know, what it is that, that makes them tick, you know, what their purpose is, um, what they want to accomplish, and then really relaying to them how you can help in that way. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And also, like, who I am as a, as a dad, you know, as a husband, uh, as a basketball coach is all the same person. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, I don't be around the bush. I keep it straightforward with those guys and, and we can have real conversations and they know that everything they hear is the truth and I got their best interests at heart. Micah Shrewsbury, the new basketball coach at Notre Dame, my guest here on WSBT Radio. Coach, let me ask you a question that many Irish fans I think have wondered as – NIL and transfer portal become now the norm in college sports. I think there's a concern among Irish fans that no matter the sport, maybe Notre Dame is at a disadvantage getting undergraduate players into school and so they can play for the Fighting Irish. If the undergraduate is a good fit for you and you want to have them as a part of your building process and a part of your basketball team. Are you confident that the Irish can get those players into school? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm confident in that. And, but you also got to know who it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, just like with a high school kid, you know, whoever that is, it has to be a good fit. It has to be a good fit for Notre Dame. You know, are they going to be able to have success here? Have they had success at their, their previous school? Um, and then do they fit, you know, into the pillars of our school and into the values of our basketball program? So first and foremost, that's what we'll look at. And uh, then from there, it's about figuring out who who you can go after, right? It, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for, for some kids to transfer at a really late date in their career. And then no matter what school they transfer to, you know, it's going to be really hard for them to get in because they're going to lose a lot of credits. They're going to go underneath the, uh, the percentages of degree towards complete or completion of degree. So there's a lot of factors that go into taking transfers uh, more than just do you want them or not. And that that's at Notre Dame, that's at Penn State, that's at Ball State, right? There's a lot of factors at play. So, um We'll continue to find the best fit and who that is, whether they're high school kids, whether they're undergrad transfers, whether they're grad transfers. We'll find the best fits for this place and then move forward. Coach, here in St. Joe County, we have had the opportunity to watch the growth and development of a terrific high school player from Penn High School, Marcus Burton, who, of course, signed with the Fighting Irish, and he has spoke out to members of the Irish media. He is looking forward to playing for you with this Fighting Irish program. As you got to know Marcus and evaluated his game, where do you think his game is right now as he prepares to enroll at Notre Dame and be a part of an ACC program? You know, without without seeing him during this high school season, you know, I got a chance to watch him in the AAU 
and also watch him for a couple of years and mm-hmm. see his growth as a player from, you know, his freshman to sophomore year, sophomore to junior year. Uh, and then watching him in the summer with, with the teams, the Mac Irvin Fire team that he was playing with when I watched him some in EYBL. He, he's got a, a tremendous um, ability with his athleticism, his speed, his quickness. Uh, but then a lot of parts of his game have really developed from year to year. And he is, like, very unselfish. He's getting, getting the guys around him involved. Um, he's shooting the ball really well. And those are all things that are going to be helpful for us uh, that he's going to need to do at this level. You know, I think as you start out, you know, as a freshman, you got to get used to the speed and the physicality of college basketball. So those are all things that you want to try and work on in the summer and the fall. So then when he gets to those first games, he's ready to handle that. Um, but from there, then it's just understanding the game. Right, the college basketball now is full of older guys mm-hmm. and older players um, that'll try and speed him up as a freshman. Now, you know, can we get him to the point where he's reading defense as well? Um, he starts to slow down and see the game. So whatever those guys do, they're not rushing him at all. And I think once we get to that, and the faster that we can get to that, the better he's going to be. Irish basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury, my guest here on WSBT Radio. Coach, you know, between Philadelphia and D.C., Mike Bray was very successful recruiting kids to play in the ACC. Now, Coach brought some Indiana kids in as well, like Demetrius Jackson and and Blake Wesley. I know no matter where the player is, if he fits your program, you're going to try to bring him into this Notre Dame basketball program. But when you think about the state of Indiana, I even think about Matt Painter at Purdue. The region has been to that Boilermaker program. How important is it to make the Hoosier State kind of the the focus or the center of your recruiting at Notre Dame? Then, of course, you can branch out from there. Yeah, I think that's really important, being able to get the kids that are here in Indiana that fit Notre Dame. And the more of those guys that we can get, the better. And we want to because of the, you know, the how they've grown, the high school coaches that are here in this state, how they've been coached in high school and in AAU and growing up, uh, they would fit the style of play that we want to play. Uh, and then if you can do that, now you can build your team around it with, with other guys. And, you know, being at Penn State, we recruited – Philadelphia really hard. We mm-hmm. recruited the Washington D.C. area really hard, and you know we'll continue to go to those areas and recruit, but then also use our connections uh, all throughout the country, and also use our brand throughout the country to get involved with kids um, anywhere that can help us. Right, so you know we want to make Indiana our home and our home base, but we also want to continue to get the best players that we can find uh, that fit this place. And that could be, you know, in the Chicago suburbs, in the Chicago Catholic League or um, anywhere in Chicago or in Illinois or, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin has good basketball. So uh, there's a lot of places around us, even Michigan, that has really good high school basketball that we can go and find guys and pluck guys from and really grow our program um, staying locally if we need to. 
One of my favorite players in the Big Ten this past season was Jalen Pickett, who you coached at Penn State. Coach, I love the way you utilized him, a 6'4 guard. He was so good at going down in the low block and, and posting up a guard. He was so good with his back to the basket. Is Pickett an example of what you learned about isolation and finding matchups as an assistant in the NBA with the Boston Celtics? Uh, some of what we did, definitely. Uh, we took advantage of some of the things that he did well. And, you know, the, the, some of the stuff that you do in the NBA is you have to build around your best guys. So our system could completely change based on who our best players are. And that's how we try and build out what we do. Uh, but being able to hunt matchups, being able to find guys that aren't strong defenders and get them onto our best players and then try and take advantage of it to draw help. Um, so no matter what we do, all we're trying to do is draw help, put two people on the basketball, and now get it out of our hands, make the right decision, and force people to close out. And with Jalen posting up, that was our strength of our team and how we got to that. You know, for us, it could be pick and rolls. For us, it could be, you know, a, a fast guard that could just beat his man off the dribble. We'll find out what that is, you know, once we get into practices, and then we'll build our system around that. Coach, I know you spent a good amount of time at your press conference talking about the importance of Brad Stevens and Matt Painter in your coaching career. Could you pinpoint one or two things you learned from them in regards to building a program? And right now at Notre Dame, it's kind of a, a rebuild on the fly with this Irish program. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the one thing with Coach Painter is his willingness to take whoever fits him take whoever he can coach and build around his system with those guys. And he doesn't look, he doesn't look at anybody's recruiting rankings or, or anybody's thoughts of if this player is good enough to play there or not. If he likes them, he recruits them. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, he's had a lot of success doing that um, by finding guys that fit their system and, and then developing them into players. And we want to do the same thing. I, I think, I take a lot of program building things from him. Um, you know, with, with Coach Stevens, it was really the culture that we built, um, the togetherness, the toughness, uh, those things as, you know, our Butler teams, our teams in Boston, and then our style of play. I, I take all of that from my time with Coach Stevens. So, um, you know, building off of, offensively playing a read and react, a five out, um, having a lot of guys that are high IQ players that move the basketball, can share it with each other and, and really try and make the right play every time. I, I think system-wise, I'm a lot closer to, to Coach Stevens than Coach Painter. But program-wise, uh, I really follow a lot of the ways that Coach Painter did. I had the chance – Last week, Coach, to interview one of your former players at IU South Bend, Jeremy Herring, who is now the head basketball coach at Marion and Silla. And one thing that he said, there's a lot of Micah Shrewsbury in me now as a basketball coach. It may not just show up in 
every single play I run, but the small little details that go into running a basketball program. What does it mean to you to hear a former player, and I know you've got several players who are coaches now, that have taken things from you when you were a very young coach and apply that to their teams today? Well, Jeremy, Jeremy was a really good player, right? So I've become a better coach with having guys like him uh, um, be a part of the program and, and coaching guys like him. They made me better. So, um, you know, for me, obviously, that, that's a part of what I want to do is, is really help the guys that I get a chance to coach and um, be there for them, uh, but also give them – give them a little bit of tools, a little bit of knowledge to hopefully help themselves as they're growing forward. And, you know, seeing the success that, that he's having, um, I think of Derek Deshaun that's, that's yep. still coaching in high school here in the area, other guys that, that are still around here or have moved to the Indianapolis area. It's cool to see that group and still talk to that group um, when I get a chance to. If, um, I hope that I was able to – give them a little bit of knowledge and you know I wish I had them now because I'm a much better coach now uh, than I was back when I coached those guys a long time ago. Coach one final question for you we've watched schools like Florida Atlantic and San Diego State make the final four the Aztecs got to the national championship game in this era of parity and, and all the changes that can take place with rosters from year to year is it fair to say that Fighting Irish fans, they should dream about eventually seeing their team playing on the biggest stage for the first time since 1979? Is it okay to dream big like some of these other schools have had success recently? No, I think so. Um, the way college basketball is going, the parity that's uh, happening there is um, you can do it. And we want to dream big. We don't want to dream about just getting to the NCAA tournament we want to get into the tournament and then do some damage so I'm I'm really excited about um, our future and what we're going to be able to do here um, and you know we're starting on that right now and we have an eye towards the present and an eye towards the future and I can't wait to uh, get out there into the Joy Center uh, next year and show everybody you know what Notre Dame basketball is going to be about. Coach, we are looking forward to that, and I, again, want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy. Just based on Twitter with players and, and analysts mentioning who's visiting and who's doing what, we can tell you're very, very busy. Of course, we can't talk about those players, but thank you so much for your time this evening. Welcome back to South Bend, and can't wait for around November 6th when we get a brand-new basketball season underway. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet, Coach. Thank you. Notre Dame basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury live here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Greatly appreciate Coach's time. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with the new guy in charge of the Fighting Irish. It is 524 on this Monday evening. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground 
for details. We'll continue with this Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat coming up in a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 531 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We will bring you live coverage of the 2023 Blue Goal Game here on WSBT Radio, April the 22nd in just 12 days. I'm looking forward to having the play-by-play call live here on WSBT Radio. We'll have a little pregame show at 1.30. Game time is 2 o'clock from iconic Notre Dame Stadium. We're going to hear from Notre Dame head football coach Marcus Freeman on Saturday, the first time we will have heard from the coach since day one of spring practice. Coach Freeman doing a really good job of allowing his position coaches to speak and talk about the players they have in their rooms. But we'll hear from Coach Freeman once again coming up on Saturday, and that might be the last time we hear from him before the Blue Goal game. Maybe one more time to talk about what the Blue Goal game is going to be all about or the rosters being introduced. But we're looking forward to hearing from Coach Freeman coming up Saturday. So we'll bring you his comments on Monday's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat here on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT Radio app. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's Twitter question of the day. If you could be one of these four athletes for one day in their prime, who would you choose? That was our question on Friday. We post each question weekdays on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. So again, if you could be one of these four athletes for one day in their prime, who would you choose? Your four choices, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Tom Brady, or Tiger Woods. We have tabulated the votes coming in fourth place. Apparently, you don't want to be the all-time point man in NHL history, the great one. Wayne Gretzky, who I believe got his professional career started down in Indianapolis, oddly enough. The great one, Wayne Gretzky, got 12.2% of the vote. I'll say this, since there is no chance I could ever skate well enough to play hockey, let alone handle the puck, take a hit, any of that stuff, I think I personally would like to be Gretzky for a day just to know what it feels like to play that difficult sport at a high level. But Gretzky got 12.2% of the vote. Coming in third place, I wonder the place where he went to college affected his vote. Or the fact he was a Patriot. Tom Brady got 14.3% of the vote. That's third in our voting. Now, for a day, I guess you would be Tom Brady on and off the field. Before this year, you would have been married to a supermodel, but not anymore. But Brady got 14.3% of the vote. Second in our voting of which of these four athletes for one day in their prime would you like to be? Tiger Woods got 30.6% of the vote. 
Well, it's fair to say a day in the life of Tiger Woods apparently is never boring. So you would have an exciting 24 hours, but you would be one of the greatest golfers of all time. I'm hesitant still to put Tiger ahead of Jack Nicklaus, but it is a fair debate. Tiger got 30.6% of the vote, and you would be able to wear a green jacket around for 24 hours. But winning the vote, I Want to Be Like Mike was the model many moons ago. There's a movie out right now about how Nike got the rights to Michael Jordan to wear his shoe, or Michael to wear their shoe. And Michael Jordan, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player of all time, he got 42.9% of the vote. So if you're Michael for a day, you're the greatest basketball player, play a little poker, play a little golf, have a nice cigar, life is good if you're Michael Jordan. We thank you for the voting on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Here is today's question. Brooks Kepka was one of 18 golfers who left the PGA Tour to join the controversial Saudi-backed Live Tour. These 18 golfers played in the Masters. So during the Masters, was your rooting interest affected if that player was a Live golfer? Did you recognize they're a live golfer? Did you look at them the same way? Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Kepka, Patrick Reed. Did you root for them? Did you not root for them? Or who cares? So your choices are you rooted against them, didn't matter, or you cheered for them. You can have your say on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. Again, during the Masters, was your rooting interest affected if the player was a live golfer rooted against them didn't matter cheered for them results on tomorrow's program and a brand new question will come your way tomorrow's budweiser's weekday sports beat will be down the road a couple of blocks at four winds field in downtown south bend for the south bend cubs home opener we'll be broadcasting live from one of the suites at four winds field before south bend takes on Beloit in their home opener. The championship banner will be unveiled from last year's Midwest League championship win. So it'll be a festive night at Four Winds Field, and we're going to be there. And the plan is to talk to a South Bend Cub player, Lance Rimel, the manager, the broadcasters, Max Toma, Brendan King. We'll have some fun at the old ballpark tomorrow night. Budweiser's weekday sports be live from the South Bend Cubs opening day at Four Winds Field. I think they still have some tickets available. Check out SouthBendCubs.com and of course you can hear South Bend Cubs baseball right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We started the program with new Notre Dame basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury. So we moved our hat trick of opening topics to the third segment of today's show. So we'll do that coming up next. The Sports Beat rolls on 538 on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 5.42 on this Monday evening. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Week continues. Hope you had a terrific weekend, maybe enjoying some spring break. Back at it today. 
beautiful forecast for the rest of the week. We can apparently touch the 80s later on this week. Love it. Golf course owners love it. Those of us that just want to get outside for some fresh air, absolutely going to love the next week here in the South Bend area. Hope you caught the start of the program. New Notre Dame basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury joined me for a conversation as he rebuilds this Irish basketball program. If you missed it, it will be available on demand. We'll play the whole interview back later on this week. But also, I have chosen three cuts from the conversation that we will play back at about 6.10 as we kick off the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right. We normally start the program with our hat trick of opening topics, but we pushed it back later in the hour so we could talk to Coach Shrewsbury at the beginning of the program. So three topics here on the 5 o'clock hour. Let's have some conversations. Let's begin with the National Football League draft, which is just a couple of weeks away. We know number one and number two quarterbacks will be taken, but there's a lot of drama building about selection number three. The Chicago Bears traded out of the number one spot very quickly. The Carolina Panthers moved into that spot. They're going to take a quarterback. I think there's a lot of debate about which direction they go. C.J. Stroud is... A likely choice from Ohio State, Bryce Young from Alabama, but Anthony Richardson from Florida is getting play reportedly at number one. Then at number two, you've got the Houston Texans. They're going to take a quarterback. They will take, I guess, from a choice of two after Carolina takes one. But then things get interesting at number three where the Arizona Cardinals are located. Arizona has Kyler Murray. They have millions and millions of dollars invested in their quarterback. So they're not taking a quarterback. The question is, do they want to take the best available player that is not a quarterback at the number three position or with so many teams in dire need of a quarterback, the hope of finding a franchise quarterback, does Arizona collect more picks and move out of the number three spot? Now let's keep this in mind. Arizona already has five of the top 105 picks in the NFL draft. So they've got quality selections in this year's draft. Maybe they would ask for first-round pick this year and next year? They've just got to decide what are they going to do. And according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, Arizona has not decided which direction they're going to go. They have some time, of course. But Schefter's reporting at least six teams have inquired with Arizona about the number three overall selection. Now, the Cardinals have a history of being active in the first round. 2014, Arizona moved back from 20th to 27 in in exchange for two picks. 2018, the Cardinals traded three picks to move up five spots in the draft to take UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen. That has not worked out 
for anybody. Last year, Arizona traded their first-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for wide receiver Marquise Hollywood-Brown. It was the first time the Cardinals did not have a first-round pick because of a trade since 1995. I bring this up because the Indianapolis Colts nervously sit one position behind Arizona at number four. If the Colts are nervous about what could happen one spot ahead of them, they could always jump into the fray, give up a little draft capital to move up one spot to number three. Then they are assured of getting the third quarterback off the board. I believe Anthony Richardson from Florida recently visited the Colts and worked out for them. I think they're assuming Stroud and Young will be gone. But if Houston, Carolina, they think more of Anthony Richardson, then one of those two could fall into the lap of the team picking third. If you're Arizona, I know you've got a good amount of draft capital, but that's an expensive spot to take a non-quarterback. They've got the number three pick. They've got number 34. They've got 66, 96, and 105. So they have the ability to move around however they would like with that amount of draft capital. The fact is, if they don't move out of three, it's a dangerous move considering quarterbacks are in play that people want. And if you've got six teams inquiring, at least all you need is two to get into a tad bit of a bidding war. And you're going to get everything you want and probably more for that number three pick. It's just how it affects the Colts. The Colts, and I'm not a Colts fan. This is someone who follows the NFL. And I'm evaluating the Colts from afar without the greatest information. My perception is they're a cautious organization. They have not dipped their toe into free agency aggressively the last few years. They've tried to fill their quarterback hole with veterans with so-so success. Definitely not this year with Matt Ryan. But if they got a guy they want and they think he is the future of the Colts, I just don't know how you don't take care of the problem, and that is a team jumping in front of you and possibly taking that quarterback. If there are three guys you believe in, I think the Colts have to do what they can to try to move up that one spot. I know it didn't work out well for the Bears going from three to two, trading with the 49ers and selecting Mitchell Trubisky. It was an aggressive move. They just took the wrong quarterback, unfortunately. But will the Colts go after it? I would hope so. If there's a guy there they got to have, then go get him. But things are heating up with the NFL draft right around the corner. The draft starts Thursday, April the 27th, rounds two and three, April 28th. Round four through seven, April 29th. So Michael Mayer probably will hear his name called on April 27th. Isaiah Foskey on April 28th. And for sure, Jared Patterson on April the 29th. 
Hat trick of opening topics. Number two for tonight, the Masters. John Rahm wins his second major championship. The Spaniard wins his first green jacket on the birthday of the late great Spaniard, Seve Ballesteros. And how appropriate, if you're old enough to know Seve or have watched Seve play, no one, I don't think anyone has ever seen a better scrambler on the golf course than Seve. He could hit it in places on the golf course that no one has ever been, but he would figure out a way to make par. And how appropriate, Rom. Paul hooked his tee shot on 18. It bounced out of the woods into the rough before getting to the fairway. So he felt like us, I guess, for about five minutes, not getting the ball to the fairway. It was a three-shot par four for Rom at that point. And what does he do? He scrambles to make par, just like Seve would have. That was a Seve par. Rom's one of the greatest players in the world right now, if not the greatest. Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy in that conversation. But one thing about this championship, Rom was not pushed on the back nine. The individuals closest to him all fell back. Brooks Kepka, who had the lead for three rounds. He was up four shots going into the completion of the third round yesterday morning. Kepka fell back. Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantley, and the group behind them fell back. The two guys that made a move trying to apply pressure for Phil Mickelson, who shot 65 on Sunday, and Jordan Spieth, a 66. That's great, but it wasn't enough to rattle Rom because they came from too far behind. They were right around 1-2 under par when they started their fourth round, so they made a push but could only get to 8 under and 7 under respectively. Not close enough to put any pressure on Rom. I'm sure not saying Rom would have folded had there been pressure on him, but considering how wild it can get on Sunday at the Masters, when you get to the 10th tee on Sunday, that's when they say the Masters really begins. But he didn't have to go all out. He could play safe with his shots and win easily because no one close to him pushed him. He was the only one that stood pat. Everybody else close to him fell back. Kepka was so good for two rounds, just didn't have it on Sunday. Having to start his third round on seven Sunday morning, did not have his A game. Phil Mickelson, at 52 years old, became the oldest player to finish in the top five at the Masters. The live golfer put together a stellar round, turning back the clock with a 65 in the final round, but still finished four shots off the pace. You can't beat the Masters. That's for sure. It never disappoints. Weather was a major factor, but an elite player won the title, and that's pretty cool. John Rahm has won a major at Torrey Pines, the U.S. Open, and now at Augusta winning his first Masters, becoming the fourth Spaniard to win at least one green jacket, joining Seve, Jose Maria Olathabal, and Sergio Garcia just a couple of years ago. And finally, we wrap up our hat trick of opening topics. The White Sox in action this afternoon. They got some good starting pitching. Boy, did they need that. And when you need a good start, pretty good idea to get Dylan Cease out there. And the former South Bend Cub, 
did the job today. High pitch count in five innings. That's one thing that hurts him. But Cease, the winning pitcher, five innings, three hits, an earned run, six strikeouts, 98 pitches, 62 strikes. Cease didn't have his best command today. He also hit a batter, actually hit two batters in the ball game. But elite pitchers figure out ways to get it done when they don't have their ace up. And at the end of the day, only three hits allowed by the right-hander, who's 2-0. Hansel Alberto committed an error in the third inning, allowing the Twins' first run to score. But boy, did he make up for it. As part of a four-run fourth inning, Alberto hit a three-run shot over the left field fence off Kenta Maeda, the Twins' starter. For Alberto, his first home run of the year. RBIs 2-3-4. and four. Pretty good job taking the place of Yon Moncada in the lineup today. Alberto, the big shot, and the White Sox held on to win by a final score of 4-3. to three. The bullpen held up nicely today. Four innings, one hit, no earned runs allowed, and they struck out seven. Lambert, Graveman, Bummer, and Lopez close it out for Chicago. Kendall Graveman started game one of the 2019 Midwest League Championship Series for the South Bend Cubs. He was on a rehab assignment, member of the Cubs organization. He got the call in game one, and I don't know if he ever got a Midwest League Championship ring, but he was eligible to get one as he started in game one for South Bend. And that's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. By the way, the White Sox are now five and six on the season. The Twins are six and four. We'll take a timeout after a sports update. I'm going to play back a couple of cuts from my conversation tonight with Notre Dame basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury. That's next on 960 AM WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is time for the second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, by Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks so much for joining me on this Monday evening. Tuesday through Friday this week, the program will be a little shorter from 5 until 6.40 as I'll get out of the way for South Bend Cubs baseball here on WSBT Radio. Once again, I'll be broadcasting live from Four Winds Field tomorrow night from 5 until 6.40. We'll still talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Mike Singer, but we'll have some baseball-themed interviews as well here on your home of the Fighting Irish and the South Bend Cubs, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Tonight's program got underway with a visit with new Notre Dame men's basketball coach, Mike Shrewsbury. Of course, he was introduced to the Irish fan base just about a week and a half ago, and he was kind enough to join me here on WSBT Radio tonight to talk about where things stand with this Notre Dame 
basketball squad. So let's replay three of his comments from tonight's interview. First off, I asked him about Penn High School's Marcus Burton, a leading candidate for Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, although the folks downstate forget that there is basketball in northern Indiana, so you never know how people in the Indianapolis area are going to vote. So I'll just say he's a leading candidate, and hopefully things will work out well for Marcus in that vote. Kingsman, for the last four years, averaged 30 points per game this year. He helped Penn get to the Final Four, the semi-state title game, before losing to Kokomo, who lost to Indianapolis' Ben Davis in the state championship game. But a well-rounded player, he has a terrific shot. He can also create his own opportunity off the dribble, can get to the basket. I think he's very underrated defensively. I've mentioned can be a little handsy at times, probably has to rely on the quickness of his feet in time at the college level, but he has turned himself into a terrific basketball player. I think some people will say the one thing that you have to be concerned about, is he tall enough? He's listed at 6'1", maybe he's 5'11", who knows? But the kid knows how to play basketball, high basketball IQ. I think he's going to figure it out here at Notre Dame. And he is ready to play for new Notre Dame basketball coach, Micah Shrewsbury. So in my conversation with Micah last hour, I asked him about his new guard from Penn High School, Marcus Burton. And I asked him to discuss where his game is right now and what he will have to learn and adjust as he gets set to play basketball at Notre Dame in the ACC. You know, without without seeing him during this high school season, you know, I got a chance to watch him in the AAU and also watch him for a couple of years and mm-hmm. see his growth as a player from, you know, his freshman to sophomore year, sophomore to junior year. Uh, and then watching him in the summer with, with the teams, the Mac Irvin Fire team that he was playing with when I watched him some in EYBL. He – He's got a, a tremendous um, ability with his athleticism, his speed, his quickness. Uh, but then a lot of parts of his game have really developed from year to year. And he is, like, very unselfish. He's getting getting the guys around him involved. Um, he's shooting the ball really well. And those are all things that are going to be helpful for us uh, that he's going to need to do at this level. You know, I think – as you start out, you know, as a freshman, you got to get used to the speed and the physicality of college basketball. So those are all things that you want to try and work on in the summer and the fall. And then when he gets to those first games, he's ready to handle that. Um, but from there, then it's just understanding the game, right? The college basketball now is full of older guys mm-hmm. and older players um, that'll try and speed him up as a freshman. Now, you know, can we get him to the point where he's reading defense as well? Um, he starts to slow down and see the game. So whatever those guys do, they're not rushing him at all. And I think once we get to that, and the faster that we can get to that, the better he's going to be. I think as you look at the Notre Dame roster as of right now, a tremendous opportunity for Burton to get on the floor quickly. Now, during this interview and – If you follow Twitter, you can see some of the activity going on. Micah is right now very, very active, trying to recruit high school players, 
and, of course, recruit players that are currently in the transfer portal. I know one player that Notre Dame was highly interested in picked another school today, but there are some interesting names out there, and I couldn't talk to him, obviously, about it on the show, but Joe Girardi of of Syracuse, that good shooting guard, that's an interesting player that apparently – is at least interested in Notre Dame. So that's kind of a, a fun development. There are several names out there at the current time. If you follow Twitter, if you follow John Rostein, you're going to see them mention who these players have heard from and who they might be interested in. And you're seeing Notre Dame pop up quite often. In fact, there's a player from Illinois that on social media – has said he was offered by Notre Dame recently. He's a 6'5 guard from the Bloomington Normal area, and I have a friend that lives in Bloomington Normal that's seen him play a lot. A very intriguing 6'5 guard, a hard worker, good shooter. I believe he helped his team get to the state championship game. So it is a very busy time right now for Micah Shrewsbury as he tries to enhance this Notre Dame basketball roster, but he's got the local kid, Marcus Burton, ready to go. I also asked Micah last hour about recruiting, and it centers around the fact that Mike Bray did an amazing job working the East Coast, Philadelphia, D.C., brought in a lot of good players to Notre Dame to play in the Big East, then eventually the ACC. He mixed in some Indiana players, of course. He had the local products like Demetrius Jackson and Blake Wesley. I wanted to get a little more insight from Micah on his recruiting philosophies. Is Indiana the center base for recruiting? And then you branch out from there. Here's what Micah had to say about the importance of the Hoosier State when it comes to recruiting to this Notre Dame basketball squad. Yeah, I think that's really important. Being able to get the kids that are here in Indiana that fit Notre Dame. And the more of those guys that we can get, the better. And we want to because of the, you know, the how they've grown, the high school coaches that are here in this state, how they've been coached in high school and in AAU and growing up, uh, they would fit the style of play that we want to play. Uh, and then if you can do that, now you can build your team around it with, with other guys. And, you know, being at Penn State, we recruited – philadelphia really hard we Mm -hmm. recruited the washington dc area really hard and you know we'll continue to go to those areas and recruit but then also use our connections uh all throughout the country and also use our brand throughout the country to get involved with kids um anywhere that can help us right so you know we want to make indiana our home and our home base but we also want to continue to get the best players that we can find uh, that fit this place. And that could be, you know, in the Chicago suburbs, in the Chicago Catholic League, or um, anywhere in in Chicago or in Illinois or, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin has good basketball. So uh, there's a lot of places around us, even Michigan, that has really good high school basketball that we can go and find guys and pluck guys from and really grow our program. Staying locally if we need to. Love the sound of that. Micah Shrewsbury, new Notre Dame basketball coach, joined me last hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One other soundbite I want to play back, and again, you'll be able to hear the complete interview 
later tonight on demand at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT Radio app. Also, we'll play back the entire interview later on this week. But I asked Coach Shrewsbury in regard to you, the Irish fans, and Dreaming Big. It's been a while since the Irish, of course, have made it to the Final Four, 1979. We've watched Florida Atlantic make the Final Four. We saw San Diego State not only make the Final Four, but advance to the National Championship game. Now, he's rebuilding this Notre Dame program, so it is going to take a little time, hopefully not much, the fact that he's on the phone, as much as he is trying to get this program ready to go this year, hey, you never know. But I think we have to be realistic, give Mike a little time to get the foundation rebuilt here at the University of Notre Dame. But is it okay for Irish fans to dream big about watching their team eventually play on college basketball's biggest stage, the Final Four? No, I think so. Um, the way college basketball is going, the parody that's uh, happening there is um, you can do it and we want to dream big we don't want to dream about just getting to the NCAA tournament we want to get into the tournament and then do some damage so I'm I'm really excited about um, our future and what we're going to be able to do here um, and you know we're starting on that right now and we have an eye towards the present and an eye towards the future and I can't wait to uh, get out there into the Joy Center uh, next year and show everybody you know, what Notre Dame basketball is going to be about. How about that? There you go. Micah Shrewsbury, the new basketball coach at Notre Dame. Fifteen years ago, he was roaming the sideline at IU South Bend and now back in South Bend as head coach of the Fighting Irish. And you can hear every Fighting Irish men's basketball game once again this fall on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And eventually, for the first time, we'll have a little different theme to the coaches' show. It'll be the Micah Shrewsbury Show here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And again, my thanks to Micah Shrewsbury for joining me last hour here on WSBT Radio. It is 19 minutes after 6 o'clock. My name is Darren Pritchett, and coming up next, it's the My Five, the five biggest winners of the weekend. That comes your way on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're also streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and a video feed on the Twitch app. Leading off on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. West League champion. Adios! Walk off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's a winner! Here's Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues on this Monday evening, 626 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Some breaking news involving college basketball. And Indiana University has picked up one of the better players in the transfer portal. Now, bear with me. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his first name. I'm not big on Oregon basketball, so I apologize if I butcher it. But Indiana has received a commitment from Oregon Transfer Center, 
Kalel Ware. He made the announcement on his Instagram just a few moments ago. He is a seven-foot center that visited Bloomington last week. Now, Ware was highly sought after, and the 2022 recruiting cycle was the number seven overall player in the class of 2022 coming out of North Little Rock High School in Arkansas. Now, as a freshman this year, Ware averaged 6.6 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 1.3 blocks per game. 35 games, four starts, played around 16 minutes of ball game. He was 15 of 55 from the three-point line, so a seven-foot three-point shooter. Hit 27% of his threes. And a player that is pretty good, of course, around the rim as well at seven foot. He's very comparable in shot blocks per game to the departed Trace Jackson Davis. So a very athletic center with size and length has picked Indiana University. And that is Kalel Ware, who was at Oregon and now will join the Indiana basketball team with three years of eligibility. All right, 628 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Okay, the My Five today, the five biggest winners of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We begin... In the NHL, the Boston Bruins made history over the weekend. We'll start with Saturday when Boston defeated the New Jersey Devils 2-1 to tie the all-time NHL record for most wins in a season with 62. Also winning 62, the 1995-96 Detroit Red Wings and the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning, who won 62 regular season games and then were swept out of the first round of the playoffs by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So Boston had a chance to own the record on Sunday, playing a down-and-out Philadelphia Flyers team in the city of brotherly love. And Boston got by Philadelphia 5-3 to break the all-time NHL record for wins in a season. The Bruins have 63 victories And still three games to go, and they have a chance for a little more history. They are three points shy of setting the all-time regular season point total, currently held by the 1976-77 Montreal Canadiens, who posted 132 points, with Boston and Montreal being arch rivals. It would be very sweet for Beantown, to snatch that record away from Le Habitant de Marseille. But the Stanley Cup playoffs are a different animal. It is tough to win the Cup. We'll see if regular season success leads to postseason success in Boston. This is a group that won a Cup in 11, the nucleus of the group, beating Vancouver in seven games and losing that heartbreaking series to the Blackhawks in 13, the two goals in 17 seconds, and the Hawks stole game six and won the cup in Boston, and then the Bruins losing game seven of the final on home ice to the Blues in 2019. The last little push for this nucleus 
and they're going to try to win another Stanley Cup. Four! The fourth biggest winner of the weekend, the Bobcats from Quinnipiac. They became the 23rd team in Division I history to win the NCAA Men's Hockey Championship. And in the championship game, Quinnipiac trailed Minnesota 2 to nothing. But the Gophers sat on the lead. They did the same thing another team from Minnesota did last year in the title game. Minnesota State tried to beat Denver 1-0 in the championship game. They just held on, held on, trying to close out the game. Once Denver tied it, the game was over. Minnesota could never refine their rhythm. Denver blew them out in the third period, won the title last year. And Minnesota took their foot off the gas. A terrific offensive team, great skating team, smart. They tried to shut it down. Quinnipiac tied the game up with a controversial power play. It was one of those calls with under five minutes to go in the game. Probably should have been let go. The Quinnipiac player had the stick of Logan Cooley under his arm and held it and made it look like he was pulled down, and the officials took the bait. Quinnipiac did not score on the power play, but they scored seconds after the power play concluded with Cooley getting back into the fray. Quinnipiac tied it, and then miraculously, the Bobcats on a set play scored 10 seconds into overtime, and Quinnipiac stunned Minnesota 3-2 to win the national championship. For Quinnipiac, they rolled right through the nation's best conference in the NCAA tournament. They took out Ohio State, Michigan, and Minnesota in the final three rounds of the tournament to win the program's first national championship. And for the Big Ten, 10 years ago, Penn State went from club hockey to Division I hockey. That allowed the Big Ten to be formed. The CCHA went away. Notre Dame ended up in Hockey East, eventually made it back to the Midwest, being a part of the Big Ten. But the Big Ten, with all of its team history and excellence we have seen the last 10 years, the Big Ten is still without a national championship. I really thought Minnesota was going to win it this year. They were the best team all year. But credit to the Bobcats. They took out the Big Ten's best right in a row to win the program's first national championship. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. We are going through the biggest winners of the weekend. And coming in at number three, how about the Tampa Bay Rays? In Major League Baseball, what a miraculous run they are on right now. Tampa Bay has started the Major League Baseball season with a record of 9-0. Yesterday, they completed a three-game home sweep of the Oakland Athletics. Tampa Bay matched the 0-3 Kansas City Royals for the longest winning streak to start a season in Major League Baseball's wild card era. The last opening winning streak longer than the race current run was the Milwaukee Brewers 13-gamer in 1987. Only six teams in the ALNL history have won 10 consecutive games to begin a season. The Rays will attempt to join that club tonight 
when they take on the Boston Red Sox. Each of their nine victories, on top of everything else I said, but each of their nine victories has come by at least four runs. That's the second longest streak in Major League Baseball history to begin a season behind the ninth, or I'm sorry, the 1884 St. Louis Maroons, who won each of their first 13 games by four or more runs. This raised streak of nine straight, all the wins by four or more runs, it's the longest at any point in a season since the 1939 New York Yankees reeled off 10 consecutive wins by four or more runs. Tampa's got the Red Sox tonight going for a 10-0 start. We know baseball, it's hard to have a winning streak. But to go 10-0 to start the year would be historic. We'll see if they get it done against their division mate, the Boston Red Sox, tonight. Number two. Biggest winners of the weekend. How about the Chattanooga Lookouts AA Minor League Baseball team? Why are they on the list? They accomplished something that doesn't seem possible. Chattanooga on Saturday won one of the strangest baseball games in history. The Reds AA affiliate defeated the Rock, I'm sorry, the Rocket City Trash Pandas 7-5. You're probably saying, well, what's the big deal? 7-5 happens all the time. Well, Chattanooga won the game. They scored all seven runs in the same inning. And in this contest, they did not record a base hit. They won 7-5 without a base hit. The seventh inning of Saturday's game was bizarre. Chattanooga racked up seven runs without a hit. The inning consisted of five walks, including a couple with the bases loaded. There were two hit-by pitches, a wild pitch, and a defensive error by the Trash Pandas center fielder, which led to three more runs scoring. The center fielder dropped a deep fly ball, which would have ended the inning. Instead, three runs crossed the plate, followed shortly thereafter by three more runs. So Chattanooga, no hit, but won 7-5. to five. I mean, we've heard of a team getting no hit and still winning in the minors, but 7-5, to five, the win being no hit? That is as bizarre of an outcome of a baseball game that you will see. Number one. And finally, the number one win of the weekend, something I'll go more in depth on in our next segment, Masters champion John Rahm, a two-time major champion. Came out of Arizona State with high expectations, joining the PGA Tour, and to his credit, turned down a boatload of money to go to the Live Golf Tour to stay on the PGA Tour. And as a golf fan, I'm glad he's with us because he is entertaining. He is fun to watch, talented, emotional. You know what his emotions are at all time. They're on his sleeve. And just a tremendous player. And he has two major titles, one at Torrey Pines and one 
at Augusta National. He won the Masters by four shots over Brooks Kepka. And just put on, I just thought, a great display of composure, even though no one was pushing him down the stretch. It was just a textbook final day for Rom, who started the day four down, rallied back, playing, gosh, it would have been about 30 holes on Sunday, and made it to the finish line and is now a Masters champion. We'll get to more on the Masters coming up in a moment, but those are the five biggest winners of the weekend. The Boston Bruins setting the NHL record for regular season wins with 63. The Quinnipiac Bobcats winning the Division I Hockey Championship in overtime over Minnesota. The Tampa Bay Rays, three more wins over the weekend. They're now 9-0. The Chattanooga AA baseball team, no hit, but won 7-5. And finally, Masters champion, John Rahm. More on the Masters coming up next. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is live on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Spring. Well, the Masters never disappoints. And we had an interesting week of golf at Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. Mother Nature played a major factor. Thursday, beautiful, 80 degrees and sunshine. Most of the day Friday was okay, then the weather turned nasty late in the afternoon. Eventually, Saturday, we didn't get a whole lot accomplished. The leaders played six holes, so Sunday morning at Augusta National, we basically had a doubleheader. Brooks Kepka and John Rahm in the final group. They started on hole number seven Sunday morning as we got the third round restarted. And from there, they would play around 30 holes, and we would see this golf tournament totally flip in storylines during that particular period of golf. Darren Pritchett back with you here on WSBT Radio. You think about where Brooks Kepka was starting the resumption of the third round Sunday morning. He seemed to be in total control of the golf tournament. More importantly, in control of his golf swing. He was flawless the first two days of the championship. He entered Sunday morning with the resumption of the third round with a four-shot lead over John Rahm. But we found out right away that Kepka just didn't bring his A game to Sunday at Augusta National. And when you don't have your A game, it's very difficult to get the job done, even with a four-shot lead with right around 30 holes to go. It makes it more difficult when your closest pursuer is one of the best players in the world right now in Spaniard, John Rahm. And Rahm made a putt right off the bat to apply a little pressure to Brooks Kepka. And from there, Rahm continued to play solid golf while Kepka just could not get anything going. There was a stretch where he went 18, 19 holes on Sunday without a birdie. And that allowed Rahm right back into the golf tournament. And at the end of the fourth round, 
Rahm was able to easily bag his second major championship, a four-shot win over Kepka and 52-year-old Phil Mickelson. One thing about this championship for Rahm, it was a come-from-behind victory. Like I said, he was four down entering the resumption of the third round Sunday morning. But once he grabbed the lead, there was not any pushback from Kepka, who was in his group for the fourth round. Also, there was no pushback from the twosome right in front of Rom, And that was Patrick Cantley, who plays so slow. My goodness, he is a human rain delay. He would not work well in Major League Baseball with the pitch clock. And Victor Hovland, who had that great opening round, struggle in the second and third round, then got it going for a while on Sunday before eventually falling back. Neither one of those two could apply any pressure on Rom. The only two players that made a move on Sunday were so far back, their greatness never affected John Rom. You look at Phil Mickelson, who ended up at eight under par, tied for second place with Kepka, but four shots off the pace. He shot a seven under par, 65 in the final round, which was great for some of the storylines in the tournament. But in terms of pushing Rom, he never felt that pressure. Mickelson was still four back. You look at Jordan Spieth, who ended up at seven under par in a tie for fourth. He shot a six under par, 66 in the final round. But again, it didn't affect Rom because he started the final round at minus one and shooting 66 only got him to within five shots of John Rom. I don't want to say it was easy. It is not easy closing out a major. It is not easy closing out a championship at Augusta National. What's the old saying? That the golf tournament really begins on the 10th hole on Sunday when the leaders get to amen corner. But Rom was never truly pushed by some of the best players in the world. And he picks up his second major title. So he has a win at Torrey Pines out in California, the 2019 U.S. Open. And now he has a green jacket from the 2023 Masters. And just think how his tournament started. Hit the green on one and two, but he four-putted the par four and started the tournament with a double bogey six. Rom is one that gets pretty uh, heated, boils up quickly. I think he took out a little steam on the next tee shot, but he settled in and got the job done. How about this? Rom becomes the seventh straight major championship winner, won by a player in their 20s. Rom started the streak at the 19 U.S. Open. The last non-20-year-old to win a major, it was Phil Mickelson, who set the record for the oldest major champion by winning the 2021 PGA Championship. For Rahm, the fourth Spaniard to win a Masters green jacket, joining the legendary Seve Ballesteros, who won two times in the 80s, Jose Marie Olathabal, a couple of wins in the 90s a few years ago, Sergio Garcia, Brought home his first and only major championship. And now Rom, who won on Ballesteros 
birthday. Ola Thabel was just off the 18th green to celebrate with his fellow countrymen. Terrific performance by Rom, and you have a feeling his trophy case is going to be full of major championships before he is done. I think he's 28-29, so a long way to go in his golf career. Anytime you talk about the Masters, Tiger Woods is a story. Made the cut thanks to Justin Thomas having some issues on his final hole in the second round, moving the cut. Woods made the cut once again, but withdrew Sunday morning before the third round resumed. Plantar fasciitis was the issue. Body wasn't up to playing, so Tiger did not play on Sunday. He really struggled in the rain and the cold on Saturday. And if he would have gone in Sunday's action, he was at nine over par. Another storyline, the live golfers, 18 playing in this major championship. Brooks Kepka left the PGA Tour for live golf. Leader for three rounds, struggled from the moment the third round resumed Sunday morning, still finished in a tie for second. I miss Brooks on the PGA Tour. Phil Mickelson, second place. Eight under par after a 65 on Sunday at 52 years old. Mickelson, the oldest player to finish in the top five at the Masters. And Patrick Reed, another live golfer, a former Masters champion, tied for fourth at minus seven. So the live golfers made some noise at Augusta National. I mentioned Spieth, another top five finish at Augusta for the former champion. Final round, six under par, 66. Fred Couples became the oldest player to make the cut at the Masters. The 92 champion made the cut at 63 years, six months, and five days. Just a little bit older than Bernhard Langer, who set that mark a few years ago. And what I found interesting in watching the coverage, I wouldn't say it was dramatically noticeable, but the patrons at Augusta National, it felt like on Sunday they were backing Rom over Kepka, which is interesting. Rom is Spaniard, but plays on the PGA Tour. Kepka, four-time major champion, an American, but he's on the Live Golf Tour. Now, Rom is extremely popular here in the States, so I don't want to say it's all about PGA Tour and Live, but I have a feeling there were a good amount of patrons at Augusta National that were pulling for John Rom. There was even a rumor that if a Live tour player won the masters that they would all run out on the green and celebrate together fortunately if that was going to happen it did not happen pga tours john rom takes home the championship you can't beat augusta national rain shine it is just one of the great watches each and every year 655 at WSBT Sportsbeat brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. My thanks to Notre Dame basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury for joining me on the program. We'll talk to you again tomorrow at 5 o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Isn't it time we got the air conditioner ready for summer? Let me call Great Lakes. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 